Hello, hello. It is still 2020. Oh my gosh, hold on. Hello, hello. <laughs> this is still 2023. I cannot believe it. I am sitting here right now recording and we're just getting into the holiday season thinking that this is going to be airing in 2023 and it's just crazy to me. I cannot believe that 2023 is here. So today we have quite the stories for you. And guess what? We have a special co-host and it's Paige, our transcriber. Yes. Feedback Link family member. So excited to have you with us, Paige. And this story is even close to your heart because this is your family. Yes. Right? This is my yes. sister-in-law, Lizzie. Yes. So <clears throat> exciting. So you guys, I can't even tell you there. I'm like sitting here looking at her notes right here and she has so many stories and they're all different, like crazy, crazy different. And so we're really excited to, to turn the time over to her, but Paige is going to do the review and then we'll get started. Yes, I am. So my review comes from an email sent to us just a few days ago, which is so exciting. It's from Molly and she says, hi there. My name is Molly Marshall and I just wanted to reach out and send a review of the pod. I've been listening for quite some time now since I had my first baby in August of 2020 via C-section. It was absolutely the opposite experience that I was expecting to have mixed with a scary pandemic. After that, I began listening to your podcast just to hear other women's stories who had gone through similar experiences. This made me feel a lot less alone. Once we decided to try for a second baby, I began listening to the pod even more frequently on top of lots of other research and such. Just last week, on Wednesday, I welcomed my second baby boy via successful VBAC. I give so much credit to your podcast and what you're doing because it was the driving force and motivator for me to push for my VBAC. And I'm so, so glad I did. It was truly a redemption story. And I'm so thankful for the work you're doing. I told so many people about the podcast and I hope to be able to help any friends of mine explore VBAC too, if they desire. Please don't stop sharing these stories. It means the absolute world to those of us listening. After my second birth, I just want to scream it from the rooftops. VBAC is totally possible, even if it feels overwhelming and out of reach. Needless to say, I love your podcast and you've changed my life. Thank you so much, Molly. Oh, when I saw this review come in, I got teary-eyed. Like, I really yes. got teary-eyed. Like... It just, it meant so much and I'm so happy for her and, and so happy for everyone who's listening. And even if it, even if it doesn't end in a feedback or even if that decision through listening to the podcast isn't to go for a feedback, if there's any, even just slight one little tiny thing that the VBAC link can bring to you, whether it's empowerment, education, whether it's kind of processing something through learning, whatever it is, like that just warms my heart. So to hear that review, just, oh, I love it. So thank you so much, Molly. And as always, we're always accepting more um, reviews to read on the podcast. And um, you can really submit it anyway. She's submitted it through an email. You can send it to the podcast on like Apple Podcasts, or you can go to Google, or you can go to Facebook, or just send us a message on Instagram, whatever it may be. We love your reviews. And I seriously like I'm not kidding. I wish I could have like 
had, you know, like the Taylor Swift TikTok thing that's popular where like the mom is dancing and then the kid is recording, but it's really like <laughs> recording them. Like that would be like, I wish I kind of had that because I wish I could really portray the emotion that I was feeling reading this review. So, so sweet. Oh, it was so amazing. So thank you so much. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hello, hello, VBAC listeners. This is Megan here. I just wanted to drop a quick trigger warning in today's episode. It does contain some details and verbiage that may be triggering or alarming to the listening ear. Okay, Lizzie. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I cannot wait to hear about all of your incredible births. And you guys, when I say all, I want to say she has 10 kids. 10 kiddos. Isn't that amazing? I love it so much. I love being a mom. I don't know if I could do it with 10 kids. Like it takes a special person, Lizzie. Like you are incredible. And I cannot wait to hear about all of these births. Perfect. Well, so I guess I'll just start from the beginning. So I had my first baby in December of 2011. And I was horribly uneducated. I didn't even know what like the birth process looked like or anything really. My husband is the oldest of nine kids and his mom is very pro natural birth. She had her last two babies at home with only her and her husband there. And so my husband was very pro natural birth, but we were still newly married and trying to figure out how to really talk to each other (laughs) you know, have communication. And so I was about 10 days overdue with my first baby. And I went into a doctor's appointment and they're like, yeah, like everything looks good, but like, do you want to be induced? Like usually by now women are begging me to get the baby out of them. And I was content and pretty happy, but I was like, oh, I guess meeting my baby might be kind of a really cool thing. And so I was like, sure, let's do this. I was like, but I, and I kind of want it to be like, a little less invasive, but I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't super educated. My husband was like, maybe we should try and do like as little as possible. And I was like, okay. So we checked into the hospital the next day and they broke my water, which I remember it's, it's like a legitimate crochet hook. Like they came in and like opened the package and I was like, that's a crochet hook. And they're like, um, it's a medical instrument. And I was like, no, it's not. That is just a crochet hook from Joanne's. (laughs) But so they broke my water and then I just chilled for lots of hours and didn't have any labor, nothing happened. And so then they came in and they were like, um, we're going to put you on some Pitocin to see if we can get things moving. And so they put me on Pitocin and then every time I had a contraction, his heart rate started to drop. 
And so then they got really nervous, understandably. And it had been lots of hours since they had broken my water and they were worried about infection. And it was just the classic cascade of interventions. And so we ended up doing an emergency C-section. Turns out, well, this is what we assume. I mean, I wasn't actually in the womb to know what was happening, but he had this huge dent on his forehead. Like he wasn't lined up in the birth Mm. canal, right? Like his forehead just kept getting caught on my pelvis. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was 10 pounds, 11 ounces. And he was just this big baby. And then that was his birth. And I had been told that nursing counted as birth control. And so, which is not true. Anyone listening, that is such a lie. But so many people think that though, just FYI, they really do. Like you're not alone out there. Right. And so three months later, I was pregnant again. Because I remember I was like, it had been like three months. I turned my husband, I was like, did I have a period this month? And he was like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, huh, like what? And then I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant and I was like, oh, well, there we go. But I really wanted, that's when I kind of really started getting into VBACs and birthing and like getting educated. And I gained a lot of weight with my first pregnancy, like 40, 50 pounds. And so with my second pregnancy, I followed the gestational diabetes diet because when I tested on it, I didn't, I wasn't officially gestational diabetic, but I was like right on the border, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I was like, maybe there's like a margin of error and I probably am. And so I followed the diet and I maybe moderately exercised, probably not, mostly just dieted. And he, and then I went into labor on my, oh no, that's right. Sorry. I have to remember. There's a lot of stories. There's so many. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also did hypno babies like last minute. Cause I was like, wait a minute, I want to do this VBAC, but I have like no education really. And so I started listening to hypno babies and going through that whole program. And then one day I was, I decided to walk home from church because I was so sick and tired of having this baby in me. And I was, I think a few days overdue. For some reason, we had expected him to come early, but he just wasn't. And so I power walked as fast as I possibly could for like half a mile, three quarters of a mile until I was like so sore, I almost couldn't walk anymore. And I got home and I contracted a little bit and then it all petered out and I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and just was contracting throughout the day, just gradually building. It was like the perfect labor story kind of. And then that night I was like, okay, it's time to go to the hospital. And I had, we actually called my mother-in-law to come down because we wanted her to come help us labor because she was so pro-birth and we just wanted an extra person in our court. And my husband was so supportive and he kept, we were laboring and it just was going. And every time I was like, this is awful. Like, give me an epidural. My husband was like, no, like, it's okay. We can do this. Like, just keep breathing one more contraction and then, you know, just face the next contraction. And we really worked through it together. And it was a really beautiful experience. My mother-in-law was really awesome. My husband was sitting on a rolling stool while I contracted. And every time I contracted, I basically just headbutted him on that rolling stool. And so he was trying really hard to give me counter pressure but that's really hard on a really still. So my mother-in-law just stood behind him and braced him the whole time. 
she didn't like say anything. She just was there making sure the process could continue. And it was so wonderful for my husband and I to do this really hard thing together. And it was so bonding and beautiful for us that that's part of what we love most about vaginal birthing is just the relationship builder it is to be able to go through something so hard and painful together and Mm -hmm. do that. And then he came out and it was a V-back and he was eight pounds, two ounces. And so his was just kind of like the perfect, like the classic, what you read about in a textbook, how a baby's born, you know, vaginally. Yeah. And so that was awesome. And we were so excited about that and we had done it and there was all this joy and it was so happy and I healed faster and I felt better. And then I got, then I had a miscarriage pretty early on, I think like eight weeks, six, eight weeks. And then right after the miscarriage, I got pregnant and I did not watch my diet. I did not exercise, gained a lot of weight. And finally I was two weeks overdue. Actually, I was like a week overdue and they were like, Hey, maybe we should think about doing something. And I was like, no, I was seeing midwives. And I was like, I really, I need to give it the whole two weeks. I have to know that if I wouldn't have waited a little bit longer, if it wouldn't have just happened. And so I really pushed him all the way to the two weeks. And then I just never went into labor. Actually, that's not true. A few days before I had had hard labor for like three hours, four hours, and then stopped and nothing else. And except for those couple hours, nothing had happened. I'd felt nothing. And so finally I went in and we did a planned C-section and she was 10 pounds, 14 ounces. And I think my body was just like, um, friend, I'm not sure I can do this. Like, this is a really big baby. So there was that. And then on my fourth baby, I learned my lesson and I went back to my diet, my exercising, and I went into labor on my own and went to the hospital. And I'm a very vocal laborer. I, I yell and I moan and I say mean things about the baby when I'm in transition. And my midwife was getting really nervous. She was like, because she had never seen me labor. She had delivered, she had been there for like my C-section baby, but she hadn't ever seen me in active labor. And she kept turning to my husband and saying, is this normal? Like, is she like, is she having a uterine rupture? Like, how do I know like what this pain level is? And my husband was like, no, no, like she's okay. This is just how she does it. Like, but she was super nervous and she kept pushing me to try different positions. And it wasn't my favorite birth. She ended up having me lie on my side with one knee pulled up high to deliver the baby. And I just didn't love that position. It wasn't terribly comfortable, but the baby came out and we had a V-back and everything was happy. And so that was awesome. And then my next pregnancy was a set of twins. And I had a subchorionic hemorrhage and I bled a lot. Like I would wake up regularly in the morning with blood stains the size of cereal boxes oh on my, my bed. Gosh. And I would call my provider and be like, hey, I'm bleeding. And they were like, well, as long as you don't have any cramping, you're fine. Ble- bleeding's okay. Cramping's bad. So when the two of them happen together, like call us. But oh. I just was bleeding so much and it was so weird. And I remember just feeling like these babies were going to come early. I just kind of had this feeling. Like I remember counting down to viability because I was like, oh, good. At least now I know they can make it if I deliver. And about a, 
a few days before they were born, I started passing really big clots. And then a few days later, oh, and I had gone into labor. And so I went into the hospital. And by the time I got checked in and laid down and all the cords hooked up, they were like, um, you're not in labor anymore. Or they're like, you know, and it was Aww. not very, and I felt like an idiot. Cause I was like, I've already had four kids. I know what labor is, but they're like, well, make sure that you've labored for at least an hour with strong contractions before you come back in, you know? And I felt very patronized and patted on the head and sent back to bed. And I was like, and I just felt humiliated. And so I went home and I was like, that's it. I'm not going back unless that happens for two hours because I'm not doing that again. Getting sent home from the hospital is the worst thing ever. It's happened to me a couple of times and I just hate it. So then a few days later, I started going into labor again. I was like, okay. So I drank lots of water. I laid down on my left side. I took a shower and my husband was trying to get our kids in bed because we had four other kids and they were, must have known something was up because they were being awful and super rowdy. And so finally we just locked them in their rooms. And my husband came to check on me and I was still laboring. And I was like, you know what? It's been like two hours. I think we should go. And it was actually funny. I remember going to him after about an hour of labor and be like, oh, I just don't like this baby anymore. I just, this Aww. hurts so bad. I don't want to do this anymore. And he chuckled and said, huh, it sounds like you're in transition. And we both laughed. And then I went back to my room and kept laboring because- in my mind, there was no way you could have a baby in two hours. Like it just right. wasn't possible. And so I went back to my room and he finished up with the kids. And then I was like, okay, I, it's time to go to the hospital. So we called our babysitters, which were these three little girls that lived across the street, these sisters that were nine, eight, and seven. And so they came <laughs> over <laughs> and they were sitting in the front room. And I was like, okay, I need to go to the bathroom. I think I am having some gas cramps. I'm going to see if I can work something out. And my husband knew because the same thing had happened to his mom where mm. she had felt like she needed to go to the bathroom and had had a baby. And he was like, wait, yeah. I know what this means. And so he followed me. And I, all of a sudden I was like, this is not right. And like, you know, I started pushing and I was like, oh my goodness, something's coming out of me. And I was like, honey, what is happening? And so I stood up. And the baby fell out and my husband just caught him right before he hit oh, the water. Oh my gosh. But I was 23 weeks and six oh. days. And so oh. he was a pound and a half. His entire body fit in my husband's hand. His head was the size of a clementine. Like he was just so little. And I remember my husband way laid down. Way preterm. Way preterm. Way too early. And I remember he laid me down in the shower and put the baby on my lap. And we just also were like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> like, oh. And he was moving and it looked like he was grunting, but we couldn't really tell if he was breathing or not. So we called 911. But the amazing thing was, is as we were figuring out what to do, we just felt so peaceful. Like we're, we're very religious and we just felt like God was like, it's okay. It's okay. Now you should call an ambulance. <laughs> so wow. That is we, like, I'd be like, ah. I know. Well, and that's what I expected, but it really, we were both just like, we took a deep breath and then we we're like, okay, now let's call 911. We can do this. <laughs> so we call them and the paramedics get here and 
we've totally forgotten about our babysitters. So these paramedics just come in through the front door. These little girls are like, um, what's going on? And they come back to our bedroom and it seemed like it took them forever for me to get me on a stretcher and out to the ambulance. And I think they were waiting to see if I was going to deliver my other baby because, you know, twins usually come pretty fast in succession. I remember laying there being like, why aren't you taking me? Like, why are we just sitting here? My baby is like, maybe not breathing. Like, can we get a move on here? And so they finally took me out. But as soon as I got my first twin out, twin A out, my body just stopped. I don't like, I don't know. Like it just didn't need to contract anymore. It was like, it just turned off. And so Hmm. they got me in the ambulance. There was a hospital just like a couple blocks from our house, but it was a very small hospital there. It was like, I think they had a NICU, but it was for like, 37 week babies who need help with breathing, you know, was not well equipped for this situation. And so they took me into the OR, they cut the cord and whisked twin A off and tried to get him breathing. And it ended up taking them about an hour to get him oxygen because they didn't have any neonatologists there. They just had pediatricians. And so he was on the phone with a neonatologist trying to figure out how to intubate this pound and a half baby. Holy cow. So baby was breathing, but not well, not enough. That's yes. is my. And so they memory. had to like re just really help this baby's undeveloped lungs. Yeah. To he was, he was not going to survive oxygen. on his own. Yeah. yeah. He was oh, not going to wow. make it without intubation. So, but wow. then I never delivered the placenta. So they just sanitized the part of the cord that was hanging out and shoved it back in because they, they didn't want to, I mean, they wanted to keep the other baby in as long as possible. And so they, you know, they didn't want to induce labor to get the placenta out. They were like, you know what, we're just going to put this back in and see what happens because everyone figured that probably in 24 hours, I was having my other baby. And they gave me all the shots, the magnesium, the steroids, the everything. And magnesium is awful. It makes your, my whole body felt like I was on fire, like from the inside out burning. And it was, oh, I don't like magnesium, but I understand its purpose. Yeah, it has a purpose, but it definitely makes you feel crummy. Yeah. So then they transferred me to a different hospital and they just kind of watched me. And they were like, okay. And finally, like it'd been like 24 hours and I hadn't had the baby. And they're like, well, I guess we're just going to check you into, I think it was labor and delivery. I don't know, somewhere. And they're like, you're just going to chill here until you have a baby. And I was like, okay. And so 11 days. So was there time? Just curious. So you, you, they didn't transfer you, right? Like they, they did after. So sorry, they transferred for baby, for baby number two, they transferred you to a better hospital. Yes. Once they had me stabilized and realized I wasn't having another baby in the time it took to get to the hospital, they sent me, they transferred me. Let's get you to a place that can handle a A micro birth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then as soon as they had Caden, twin A, stabilized and had him intubated, they transferred him to by life flight because they couldn't help him there. Gotcha. So then... I was in the hospital for 11 days before I delivered my second twin. And I just... With four kids at home. Yeah. And my husband was working and trying to play mom to four kids. And it he he definitely had the hard job. I mean, I was sitting in that hospital for 11 days, like making 
homemade thank you cards and like making jewelry. And I was like, this is amazing. This is like a momcation. This is awesome. And I'd go sit and, you know, look at my baby. And then, I mean, it was a little scary, but it honestly was like really relaxing. And I felt so bad for my husband because he was doing everything and was holding it together really well, considering everything he had to do. And it was over Thanksgiving. So we all came oh, and visited you. That's right. It was Thanksgiving. And I remember visiting Caden and his body was just so translucent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tiny. That's but right. yeah, that I waiting place. That. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so then 11 days later, I just went into labor on my own. Well, and the other thing they kept trying to decide was, which is better. The baby does better in the womb, but if he gets an infection, that's worse. So they kept balancing that. Do we induce you or let it go? And so they monitored me really close for infection, but I didn't show any signs. And then 11 days later, I just went into labor on my own. And I remember my doctor, Dr. Dabbling. I've been trying to think of her name for the last like three days. I finally remembered it. She was super awesome. And we loved her. And she came in, she's like, okay, I really think we should give you an epidural. And I was like, this baby's going to be itty bitty. Like, it's just going to literally fall out of me. Like, that's not going to be painful. She goes, yes, but since you're, she said, I'm really worried the placentas aren't going to deliver well and that I'm going to have to go in and scrape them out of you. And that will be very painful. I really suggest you get the epidural. And so I did because the idea of people scraping things out of me was sufficient Mm -hmm. to push me to an epidural. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I was, they gave me the epidural and my husband got there and twin B was born and they immediately whisked him off and got him to oxygen. And he was set and stable within a matter of minutes. And I delivered my placentas just fine. And it was like a great delivery. And that was that. And so that was awesome. And we were excited that both babies were here. But then four days later, twin B got an infection and died. And so what random infection or. Yeah. So my understanding, there was a lot of medical terms that I don't understand, but they automatically put babies that young on antibiotics as soon as they're born because they know that infection risks are high. And he'd been on them for about three days and wasn't showing any signs of anything. And it's not good to be on medications you don't need. Mm -hmm. And so they took him off the medication. And then within about 12 hours, he was was looking really gross. Yeah. You know, he wasn't looking good. And then 12 hours later, he was gone. It just, he was so little. He was two pounds. Wow. And, you know, it was just, I don't, I'm not angry at anyone. I don't feel like it was anyone's fault. I feel like this was God's plan. I mean, it just, the fact that Caden was born at home, twin A, and didn't have any oxygen for an hour and didn't have any of the drugs and is still alive today. And his twin brother, who was born in a hospital with everything and everything he needed and then died, like, it just seems so clear to me that God has a plan and that this is what was supposed to happen. And so it did. And you can can try and control things and do the best you can. And that's great. And God wants you to do that. But in the end, what needs to happen happens. Yeah. And so it was, I came away with a 
a lot of peace and not very much anger. And I was really fortunate in that. I mean, it was so painful. It was so unbelievably painful. And it was really interesting because we learned that my husband, I grieve in different ways. When my husband grieves, he wants to be around family and feel supported and be around people. And I just want to hide and be Mm -hmm. alone. I don't want to talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. I don't want anyone to tell me it's going to be okay. I just want people to say, you're right. This sucks. Like, this is so painful. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, you know, and so that was kind of hard moving through that, but we figured it out and we're doing a lot better now. And then we got pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And I was so nervous. I was so nervous that something was going to go wrong and something was going to break or the baby was going to die. I just, I couldn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. And it was very stressful for me. And the pregnancy went really well. It was a very smooth pregnancy, but I still had all these lingering fears in me that it was, you know, something horrible was going to go wrong. And I went into labor and we checked into the hospital and the room they put us in to be evaluated was two doors down from the room that we said goodbye to our little boy in. And it like totally shut off all of my labor. You know, we tried walking the halls to get things working, but we kept running into people we knew from the NICU and his respiratory therapists. And it just... It brought back all the memories and all the fears and we just couldn't do it or, you know, my labor totally shut off. So they sent us home and I remember as we drove home, I said, I can't do it. I can't go back to that hospital. I just, there's too many hard memories there. Yeah. And uh, my husband felt the same way. He said, what if we do a home birth? And I was like, are you nuts? Like, I'm like 39 weeks pregnant, 40 weeks pregnant. Like, this baby is coming. We can't do a home birth. And he's like, yeah, we can. Let's do it. We'll call my mom. She's delivered babies. Like, we can totally do it. And so we were like, okay, I guess we're going to do a home birth because we know we can't deliver it the hospital. So I guess this is the only other option. And so we called his mom. We were like, Hey, we need you to come help us deliver this baby. And she was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> but she, she was wonderful. <laughs> I know. And she was, and she was like, okay, well, um, when do you want me to come down? And we were like, now. Like, if you could get in the car now, that would be great. <laughs> she was like, oh my okay. Because <laughs> you know, we had just been in the hospital for labor, so we assumed it was imminent. Uh-huh. And so we were like, no, really, I think you should head down here because at any moment I could go into labor again. Yeah. And so she came down and then it was a whole week and it was, she just hung out at our house. And I remember finally one day I was like, I need you to go. I need you to like leave my house for the day. Like I can't seeing you here reminds me I haven't had my baby yet. Like I just, I need to stop ultra focusing on this and I need you to just you have a daughter that lives here, go visit her, like go away for the day and then come back. It's not that I'm angry at you. I just, it's all I'm thinking about. And then I finally just went into labor on my own and it was a really hard labor. I was in transition for like two hours. It was much harder, much more difficult than my previous labors had been. 
But then she came and it was, it was actually really funny because it was kind of early in the morning, like six or seven. And she came out. And like I said, I'm a really vocal laborer. So there was lots of yelling and lots of screaming. And my kids were awake. They were like watching a movie in a different room while we're trying to, you know, have this baby. And so she comes out and like 15 seconds later, my son walks in the door. He's, gosh, I don't know, probably four, three or four. I think four is about right. And he walks in the door and he goes, oh, is that the baby? I mean, there's blood, there's fluid. I mean, we're trying to make sure this baby's breathing. Like she has just come out. And we're like, yep, it is. Can you go away, please? Like, give us a few minutes. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. And so he leaves. And 30 seconds later, he comes back with all of our kids. And is like, look, mom's had the baby. And we're like, yep, we did. Can you please give us just a few more minutes? Oh, my And so God. it was just, oh. But it was so beautiful and so wonderful. And I laid down in my own bed and it felt so healing after our traumatic twin birth and not being able to face a hospital and everything associated with that. To be able to have this successful home birth where we were all together and my kids climbed in bed with me, it just was wonderful and beautiful and everything that we needed. And then we got pregnant again. <laughs> I love it. And then another baby. <laughs> and all of after kids, a really healing birth, though, that I mean, that had to have been just so special. It, it was so special. And all my kids are about twelve to eighteen months apart. Like we've had, I have ten kids, and my oldest turns eleven next month. So they're all really, really close. Which is something else that was really interesting. Is you know. A lot of times you hear with VBACs and with getting pregnant after C-sections, you know, you need to wait nine months. You need to wait a year. You need to wait 18 months before you even get pregnant or whatever. And we just did what we wanted. I mean, you definitely should consult medical professionals with your specific instances, but we felt really good every time we got pregnant. Like, yep, we're ready to get pregnant. Let's do this again. Like, we feel good about this. And so we went ahead and did it even though I don't think any doctor in the world would advocate doing what we've done. <laughs> but we got pregnant again and my water broke the very first night of our family reunion. He was like a week, this was like a week early or so. And everyone was coming up for the weekend to our house for a family reunion. And that night my water broke. And I was like, Oh my goodness. What are like, Everyone is at our house and we are planning to do another home birth. And so I kind of told all the moms as they were putting the kids down to bed, I was like, I don't think you want your kids upstairs. Like I'm probably going to be in labor all night screaming. So find someplace farther away. So your children will sleep through the night. <laughs> and so we did. And everyone was kind of like, why aren't you going to the hospital? Like your water has broken. What are you doing here? Why are you having a home birth? But we were good with it. We were just like, you know what? This is what we're doing. And I went to bed that night trying to sleep, knowing what was coming and then woke up the next morning. And I was like, wait a minute. I was supposed to have a baby. What happened? <laughs> and so I'm just kind of hanging out, waiting for labor to happen. And we, 
hiked a small mountain to have like a bridal shower for my sister-in-law all the while I'm like okay like maybe this will get it started maybe not and finally it had been like 18 hours or something and like nothing not even really any contractions and I was like I think maybe we need to call someone now like this infections are real as we know so let's get on the phone with someone and they were like um, your water broke when? And we were like, like 18 hours ago. And they're like, will you please come into the hospital now? And I was like, yeah, I'll come in. And so we checked in and actually the doctor I met there was not my normal doctor. My normal doctor was on vacation and getting back like the next day. So we had the guy that was just on call and he was actually really supportive. He was like, you know what? Let's try maybe giving you like a little Pitocin, like just a little something to maybe get things going and see what happens. He was totally on board with like, let's go for a vaginal birth. But I was feeling a lot of fear. Like something about having a vaginal delivery did not feel right to me. I was really scared. And I was really scared of the pain, to be honest. Probably was like, I don't want to. Like that's so owie. I don't want to do that. If I just do a C-section, they'll drug me up. And I'll have a baby, which Mm. I knew wasn't true in my brain, but I wasn't really thinking clearly because I knew that the delivery wouldn't be painful, but the recovery would be so much worse. But at that Mm. moment, I was like, I don't, I just really don't feel good about this. I was really torn. And my husband was like, you want to pick a C-section? And I was like, I think so. Like, I just, something doesn't feel right about this. Mm. And so I finally did. I said, can I just choose to have a C-section? And they were like, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you can do that if you want to. Like, we'll go prep the OR. And <laughs> they started the C-section and I could feel everything. It was awful. I kept on, I was like, you guys, like, this really hurts. I can feel you cutting me. And they were like, oh, it's okay. Like the pain meds are kicking in. And like the anesthesiologist kept like, pushing more drugs. And, you know, he didn't understand why I wasn't feeling like why I was feeling this, why the pain meds weren't working. And it turned out because I was feeling so much pain, I had kinked my wrists. I was flexing my wrists because I was in so much pain, which had kinked my IV. So none of the drugs were getting to me. So when they finally realized that they're like, you need to relax your hands. And I did. And all the drugs hit me at once. I remember watching myself floating away from my body while Lucy in the sky with diamonds played (laughs) in the background. Like I've never been stoned before, but I'm pretty sure like this is exactly how how it it feels. (laughs) But yeah, I remember like, whoa, I was like, bye Lucy. Like as I floated away from my body and it was like all psychedelic and it was really intense. And I remember them asking me and then the rest of the C-section is pretty much a blur. And they got the baby out. And I remember them saying, do you want to hold your baby? And I was like, nope. I don't even know where my arms are. So please don't put that baby on me because it's just going to fall off of me. And I was so out of it. And so it was just all weird. And it took me a long time to come back to uh, even afterwards. It, I didn't hold my baby, I don't think, for a couple hours because I just didn't feel in a, enough in control of my body that I could do it safely. But he came and that was happy. And so that was his birth. And then we got pregnant again with twins. And I was so excited. I had 
prayed for so long. After Levi, our twin, died, I prayed for so long that we would get another chance at twins. I'd always wanted twins, and I thought that was so cool. And I just said, please, please, please give us another chance, except for it's got to be a different outcome. Like, I can't do this, like, dying baby again. Like, please just send us twins and make them healthy and happy, and it's going to be great. And so we got pregnant with twins, and I was so excited, except I was bleeding again. And it was just like the first time, and I was so scared. There were huge blood stains, but the bleeding seemed to heal itself a lot faster. It totally went away. And so I was like, great, like this looks awesome. It looks like we're in a good spot. And the rest of the pregnancy went really well, and it got time to deliver. Now, I currently live in a very rural town where they have a hospital, but it's not, they were like, we don't have enough blood like on site that if you hemorrhaged, we could save you. We really think you should deliver somewhere else. Like we like you, we love taking care of you. We'd really love to deliver your babies. You should go someplace else for your safety, just because you're a high hemorrhage risk with the amount of kids you've had, how quickly you're having twins, they're high risk because you've been having bleeding please go someplace else. And so we did, we went to a hospital two hours away and scheduled it and we showed up and got all ready and went in for the C-section and everything was, I actually asked him, I was like, can I record my C-section on my phone? Like, is there an extra nurse that can take a video of my C-section? Cause I've always wanted to see myself birth a baby, but I always forget to tell people that I want to do that. And so, like, mm-hmm. we're in the middle of birthing. And my husband's like, oh, do you want a beer? And I'm like, just get this thing out of me. You know, I'm not in the mood to, like, deal with it at that point. And so, I've never seen, I, I, I don't know, I've never even watched, like, birth videos of other people having babies because I just wanted to watch me. Like, I've wanted to, like, the first time I see it, I've wanted it to be me. And so, I asked him, I was like, can some nurse, like, record this? And he was like, um yeah sure so i totally have a video of my c-section on my phone which is a little disarming to watch actually oh i (laughs) wish i had mine it's my i mean my kids have watched it and they think it's very cool Mm -hmm. and i remember as they were doing the c-section i got so nauseous i really thought i was gonna throw up everywhere and i don't know why what caused that but the babies came out and everything was beautiful. And I had these two beautiful girls that looked totally different and were like a pound and a half different in size. And they were, I was in the recovery room and all of a sudden I noticed that all the nurses are starting to get really agitated. And my husband's there kind of with me too. And they're like, you know what? We're going to take the babies what you know, to the recovery place. We need to help mom. Are you okay with that? And my husband was like, yeah, take the babies away. I'm going to stay here with mom. And they're like, okay, good. And I started hemorrhaging really bad. And I could, like, I wasn't sure really at first what was going on, but I could just tell something was wrong. Everyone was starting to panic and the doctor came back. And so they finally told me, they're like, you're hemorrhaging. We're trying to get it to stop. We're going to try some stuff. And I was like, okay. And then they proceeded to punch down on my just recently cut open belly. And that was the most excruciating pain I have ever felt. Like, oh my goodness, it was awful. They just kept pushing and pushing, trying to get my uterus 
to start clamping down again. And it just wasn't happening. And so they told me, they're like, okay, you know, we've previously discussed that you don't know if you're done having babies or not. So we don't want to do a hysterectomy if we don't have to. We have one more thing we can try, but if not, we're, we're going to have to do that. Like we've got to stop this bleeding. And so we're like, okay, we'll do what you can. We understand that emergencies happen. And so they took me in and did this crazy. I was so out of it. I was in so much pain. And I just said, whatever you do, like if you have to take my uterus, will you please just put me under? I'm so done. I can't feel this anymore. I need to be put out. And they're like, and he, and I remember the doctor being like, yes, I promise I will put you under if I have to put you in surgery again. And it's called a ut- uterine artery embolism. And they took, they took like a picture of my uter, of my uterus and all the arteries from above. And they shot ca- contrast fluid into all the arteries. And this doctor had to take a probe, a a really long cord, and he went in my femoral artery in my leg and had to go up, like around my heart and back down into my uterus. I don't know how he did, like, I don't know how medicine does these things, but it was so crazy. And they take a still picture of where all my arteries were. And then he would guide the probe, like by feel through my body. And they take another picture and see what it looked like. And he pushed it through until he got to the artery and filled it with the medical equivalent of minimal expanding foam and just totally clogged up that whole artery so that it couldn't bleed. Very fascinating. Right? I know. And it was a total miracle. Our doctor told us afterward, it took him like, I think, 20 minutes to do it. And he said, I've never done it. I've never seen him do it faster than 45 like this was unbelievably fast and wildly successful and it stopped the bleeding and I was able to keep my uterus, but it was kind of a long, it was a hard recovery after having the C-section and then getting pounded on after that. And then all the procedures afterwards, it was a really rough recovery. And I was older, I'd have lots of kids, you know, it just kind of all compounded and that was the recovery. But they were the twin girls were here and they were beautiful and so happy. And I was able to tandem nurse, which is something I had hoped I'd be able to do. And now I have these 10 beautiful children that are just adorable. (laughs) My gosh. I love it. Yeah. What, I mean, wow. What a journey you have been through. Like, Holy smokes. Um, I am sorry about your loss. That is hard and um, definitely felt the emotion in your story after. But thank you so much for sharing all of these beautiful stories and this journey that you have been on. It has definitely been quite the journey and so many unique things that, you know, we you mentioned it yourself, like talking about like waiting until you're 18 months after to, to get pregnant or to, to give birth and things like that, you know, and with your between your C-section and your first VBAC, I mean, you said three months. Yeah. Yeah. Three months. So we know it's possible out there. And I think the biggest thing is, yeah, there are all these studies and I think that everyone needs to, to read the studies, educate themselves and then make the decision that's best for them. But yeah. it's really just that make the decision that's best for you. 
Um, and for you, you know, your kids are closer and sounds like you have such a happy crew for sure. Um, yes. but yeah, is there, are there any tips that you would give to our listeners, especially with your, like going through so such high and low, um, emotion from each birth, right? Just, do you have any yeah. tips that you would give our listeners? Um, I think one I would say is just remember that each birth is its own birth and that you need to be able to let it unfold the way it needs to without worrying about what's happened previously. You know, you need to, you know, every birth can be so different that, you know, I felt a lot of fear after we lost our boy that it was going to happen every single time after. And once I realized that, you know what, this is a new baby. This is a new experience. I just need to have faith. It's going to work out. I think that helped a lot and just say, you know what? Yes, that happened. I hated that. It was awful. I don't Mm want to ever do it again. I'm going to try heading forward, believing this is going to be different and not to the point where you ignore, you know, bad signs or bad feelings, but just where you say, you know what? I'm going to let this baby be its own and not be controlled by the fear of my previous pregnancies. That was a big help for me was to let each baby be their own. Oh, I love that because especially with VBAC, you know, we, we have this, this past and sometimes they're traumatic. Sometimes they're not, you know, we, we all deal with and have experienced different cesareans and, and things, but we still have this past birth. And for me, I mean, even with my third, I was triggered um, because I had similarities of the way the labor started. And I had to truly be like, this is a different baby. This is a different birth. This is years later. I have to try and stay present in this space and not flash back to, you know, three years ago or two years ago. And it's really hard to do, really hard to do, but very hard. Yeah. But I love that you said that like each baby and, you know, each birth it's, it's individual. So um, we have to try and and remember that. And I think the other thing I tell myself a lot is a healthy baby is most important that the end goal is a living baby at the end. Like as long as I get a baby at the end, that's healthy. It's going to be okay. The experience might not have been when I wanted But the thing I really cared about was the baby. That was the end goal. The end goal was getting the precious, perfect, beautiful baby. And every time I got that. And so every time was a win because that was my expectation. Now I had other expectations too, but would I rather have gotten the perfect V-back to have my baby die? No. My Mm, goal was to have the baby. Mm -hmm. And so you try as hard as you can, do as you can. And if it doesn't go the way you want it, you still get this beautiful baby. And that's what's really the happiest about this. Is you got the baby. I think what I look up to the most <clears throat> about Lizzie and her stories is that no, it's not conventional. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody in the world who has had similar stories quite like Lizzie's with kids that close together. I mean, typically in families that have a lot of kids, it's kind of like all bad I mean I don't know yeah, it, no, right I, yeah I think it's mostly bad like I don't I think Lizzie's stories are very unique because there's like c-sections sprinkled <laughs> in there and then a v-back and we can all relate to that feeling deep within us of mm-hmm. being drawn to v-back 
And it's like, I know this is a little more risky. I know this isn't maybe what my a doctor would recommend initially. I mean, hopefully your practice is supportive, but that calling is is in your heart and you go for it because your your intuition's telling you your body can do it. And that's what Lizzie has refined. She's refined her intuition to be able to listen to that, follow it, and recognize that there's this calling to have these babies and bring them to the world in lots of different ways, but also to move forward, not in fear, but how she feels is appropriate. Am I, it's probably not what's going to work for you or for me. I'm not going to have 10 kids, even though, but I can still look up to Lizzie and I've taken so much inspiration from her as I prepared for each of my births because she understands and has such a heart for birth and for unconventional ways of birthing in the way that's right for you. Mm, I love that. Yes. And I mean, there is still, I mean, I've now had four C-sections and I knew after my third C-section that I couldn't vaginally, that no provider would let me vaginally birth again. Even after two, most of them say no, but because I had accidentally had those twins vaginally, it kind of opened that door back up for me. But I knew once I had another C-section, I was done for. I'd never vaginally birth again. And there's part of me that still really mourns that. As I think about having more kids, I'm like, oh, maybe I should just go off the reservation. We and talk do like another all the home time. Because <laughs> I've had three now. Lizzie's had four. And we're like, we can do it. Right? Like, Let's so- just be each other's <laughs> midwives and deliver our babies at home. <laughs> <laughs> so TBD, what's the future? We don't know. <laughs> but I, but and so part of me does mourn that. But like, I'm not going to get that experience again. Because I think I know that it's not good for my body that with the history I've had, that it's probably not medically very smart for me to try and do that, but that's okay. You know, because I've been through a lot and I got the baby and that's what matters. Cause I got the baby. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing <laughs> all of your stories today, being here with us, taking the time out of your day I know time is so precious and um, I just feel that in so many ways that you're going to touch someone out there listening, just like Molly said in the beginning, it's just this podcast, you know, every story is going to connect with someone differently. And with all your stories, I guarantee there's someone out there that's going to connect or have maybe had a similar situation or was told something similar or something you know so it's going to be amazing thank you so much well thank you for having me on i love talking babies uh so do we obviously (laughs) (laughs) interested in sharing your v-back story on the podcast submit your story at the vbacklink.com slash share for information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes the VBAC blog and julie and megan's bios head over to the vbacklink.com Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.